Yeah, that was something we had to learn the last episode was that when I press record, it it takes a little while before it starts recording. So uh, you're listening to They Said I'm Funny podcast. Um, <laughs> this is Adam Wool uh, with my good friend and co-host, Justin Marino. All right. And it, today is a special, <laughs> what was that face for? You... Oh, you made a face like you were pissed off at yourself or like you bit. didn't like the way you said your name? Yeah. We can try well, again. I'm still getting All right, hold on. hearing myself. <laughs> All right. This is Adam Wolf with <laughs> no, Sorry, we're, we're not going to uh we're not going to we're going to release this as is. No, I'll, I'll probably edit it, I think. So you want to start from the top or from Justin Marino? Let's start from the top cuz I don't okay, want to edit okay. that much. You're listening to They Said I'm Funny podcast. <laughs> this is Adam Wolf uh, with my co-host Justin Marino. Oh, that was so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah we uh, for those I, I may not edit this. I may just <laughs> go it from the beginning. But just in case I do edit it, uh, we did uh, a first take of the intro, and I didn't notice any. It seemed fine to me, uh, but you made a face like you were like I make when I bomb on stage and uh you weren't happy with say the way you said your name so no i think no. it was just a technical issue because like i said it and i couldn't hear it oh okay all right well this is a very <laughs> a very special episode of they said i'm funny uh the first couple of episodes we released we were practicing interviewing each other and uh introducing the podcast and today uh who do we have with us justin we have an amaz- I would call him an amazing comedian, but um, Chris Dixkin? <laughs> yeah, Did I pronounce that right? Yeah, actually in, uh, in eighth grade, a substitute teacher called me Chris Dixkin, and it stuck for about nine years. So every time I go back home, they're like, Dixkin, what's up? And I'm like, oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. I have a feeling that was not an accident. Like, No, what's, what, yeah. what name, what lineage does Dixkin come? Oh, we herald from... <laughs> The Dickskins of Scotland. Definitely not Jewish, though. Yeah, definitely not Jewish. Yeah, so uh, we were excited to have Chris on the podcast because uh, not only is he a really good friend of both Justin and mine, or I, I don't speak English, of Justin and I or me, um, but he is, he's leaving soon to to move to Seattle, and he uh, he's a special kind of person on the scene because a, a lot of comics... They, they may have varying different experiences or, or a past. Uh, Chris Dixon is a famous, a world famous, probably the most famous magician I've ever met. He is a, oh, yeah, he is a true. magician. How many magicians have you met? I Two. Just one, I think. I, <laughs> I mean, I probably maybe met more, but I, yeah. So I did a showcase yeah. at Cork. Oh, oh, oh yeah, Jeffrey Jester. Yeah, Jeffrey. Yeah. I would... Safely say <laughs> that you have more followers than him yeah. on Instagram, and that's what counts. That's, yeah. that's the barometer of success. Yeah, that is that is probably the only reason that Justin and, and I invited him on here is because he has what seventy eight million. What is, <laughs> no, twenty four. 27,000? 22. 22,000. Did you, you checked it? You on checked the way here, just to see. First thing in the morning, he checks. He yeah. Just refreshes. Yeah. Yeah, he has a, he's, so you are, and correct us if we're wrong, you are a, a stage magician. 
Yeah, it was yeah. mainly close up um, is where it started. Cl- there's there's different varying styles of magic. There's close up, there's parlor, and then there's stage, and then there's street. David Blaine created street magic in '98. Didn't create it, but he kind of uh, made it a bigger scene. Um, so close up magic is more one on one or bar magic where it's just a few people. Parlor is for a group of forty maybe or smaller. And then stage is the big stuff you see. And when you say stage magician, that's going to be like rolling out Siegfried and Roy shit. Can we swear in this? Chris yes. Angel. Yeah. yeah. Chris Angel was okay. street fake street because he would film it weird. And now he's on stage in Vegas. But yeah, I don't have a tiger or any big illusions. So I guess I was more of a close up magician. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually, when you get like 100,000 followers, you will. Yeah. Then I can afford to, a tiger. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get sponsored by zoos. So, um, Let's uh where are you from? You know, what where uh where did you get this desire to to perform? Um I tuck with my hands and I hit lots of objects and these are cheap mic stands, so I apologize for the noises. I don't have the editing ability to remove those noises, so they're gonna be loud in your ears. Yeah, so where are you from? You yeah. Know, so I'm from Pennsylvania, uh central Pennsylvania, right near Harrisburg, actually Three Mile Island, the uh the huge nuclear accident that happened is in my backyard. That explains um, a bit. Yeah. I was in the womb at the time. We we didn't evacuate. We stayed there. My mom just home fast. She's like, no, we're not leaving. I was like, and that paid off great. Yes. Um, and I started doing plays when I was young. I think the first one was in fourth grade and uh, just got the bug for that and became an actor. Uh, did all the plays and then did a lot of community theater. Then was trained in Shakespeare, did a, a shit ton of Shakespeare shows, a lot of improv scenes. We had a group called Bard Senseless where we would break down Shakespeare shows and make them funny. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then try to do it in like 15 minutes. So do all of Midsummer Night's Dream in 15 minutes. And I realized like if you and we were playing for kids, basically going, you know, in a school circuit. If you're funny enough, the adults would laugh and then they're the ones buying tickets and bringing the kids to the show. So it was like the Muppets. I was trying to make them laugh so that they would bring their kids. So it was a lot of adult humor, but it was subtly mixed in like Looney Tunes. Um so I started doing a bunch of celebrity impressions and integrating those. So it was a lot of comedy stuff, but it was acting based because it was a, that's just the format I was in. Um, then I moved to New York City and uh, was doing street magic in Washington Square Park and Central Park for money because at the time open mics would make you charge. They would charge you either $15 to get in or a two drink minimum. And this is uh, late 90s, early 2000s. So I would make money you know, from tourists doing magic during the day take that money and do open mic at night so I could do my stage, my magic show, which was a comedy magic show at night. And then uh, eventually I dropped off the, the magic and now just working on the comedy. Okay. You said late nineties, early two thousand, mm-hmm. like 99 into 2000. And so you've done that for about 20 years. Uh, yeah. So let's see. 99 moved there when I was 19. Um, took a year off cause I got cast in a show. I got cast in Disney's beauty and the beast where I played Lumiere and I was, it was a tour. So I did the touring group of it. Uh, I actually auditioned for blue man group and didn't get it. And the guy was like, wow, you're really physical. And so, so my art, my, uh, one of my acting teachers, she was a physical comedy teacher for Del Arte, Commedia Del Arte, which is an Italian style of comedy. And it's very physical. It's clowning. Basically. Uh, she was my Commedia Del Arte teacher. She's like, I got this great audition set up for you. You're going to do great. You're perfect for them. And I go in and I thought it was all physical and they're like, all right, so uh, everybody here's a drummer, right? Y'all know uh, 16 syncopated. Let's go. And there's like tubes and buckets and everything. And I was like, I can't. And it was for Blue Man Group. And I didn't get it. Um, but the the casting director was like, hey, you're really good. You're really articulate. Uh, there's something else. Can you sing? Blah, blah, blah. Went through this thing. Got cast in Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Toured with them for a year. We did um, 
247 cities in nine months. Um, yeah, it was 46 states, pretty much every state, and uh, got back with all this money and then saved it up and, yeah, started doing more acting stuff. Um, again, with magic always being the goal. Like, I wanted to be either on Saturday Night Live or a famous magician. Um, neither of them happened. But um, then I trailed off, moved to L.A., Worked out in L.A. for a little bit. Did a lot of improv with Upright Citizen Theater Brigade. Um, just different, like, little tiny improv groups. Um, me and my girlfriend at the time moved back to Pennsylvania. And, uh, yeah, I was like, I need a real job. So I joined the Army at 27. And then everything just kind of stopped. But uh, picked it up recently. I just realized your life is, like, several characters from Arrested Development. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. like David Cross's character was in the Blue, the Blue Man, Man group. Man, yeah. uh, Job, of course, Job was a magician. Uh, uh, I also owned a banana, yeah. a frozen banana stand. You joined Army. Yep. You lost your hand. <laughs> You're never nude. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, because Justin and I are both nude right now. That, that was the first rule of our podcast was we breathes. always record nude. And uh, for those of you that uh, are hearing Chris uh, cough, um, he let us know that he was allergic to cats. So I, not, I have one cat, but I went out and I got several <laughs> cats just because uh, I thought it would be funny. So if if he uh, if you hear sirens, it's because we had to call the ambulance because Chris had a an asthma attack. So uh, what was uh, I guess? Why well, was the army joining the army the reason that you you? Uh, shifted from acting to and i mean i know you still do magic but uh, your main focus is uh is the comedy is is that what caused like well so the I situation mean, I, I realized when i was in la um and doing you know a lot of it was play-based first of all in the army i couldn't really get off all the time i still wanted to do plays still wanted to do acting but you know when you're acting um you know you have rehearsals three or four nights a week and then um you have your tech week where it's every single night and then you go into the production and that usually runs maybe three or four weeks and it's thursday friday saturday and sunday afternoon um so getting that time off in the military is especially when you're a lower ranking when you first come in it's really difficult to do um Another thing is there's too many things in control of your success. So you could have a show, you could rehearse it, it could go great, and then one night it couldn't. Or the director could be bad, or the writing could be bad, or the audience doesn't show up. There's too many variables to get out there. Um, too much of the audition process, I figured with stand-up, it's just me and a mic. So I can be in control of my career or my, my point of view a little bit better. And if people don't laugh, you get an immediate reaction. Like, you know, okay, I can go change this. You don't have to wait to find out if a review comes out or, you know, look at ticket sales or anything like that. It's an immediate instant karma kind of thing. So I yeah, decided that, to just switch gears. That immediate feedback helps with my personality, like as far as trying, you know, this out. Because um, like you said, like, is it a scratch? Is it a rewrite? You know, is it a shelf and maybe I become better and deliver it better? Or um, so that, that's a hell of a resume, though. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you both for your service. Okay. I don't know if, we, um, if you knew what I did yeah. every day in the army, you, you wouldn't be like, oh, really? We pay well, we watched we pay him you to do yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched him at work. You know, his. He <laughs> I had a phone call and told him that it was their problem. Yeah. Yeah. But that's short. Uh, what we in the army call short timers attitude. Yeah. Uh, mixed with. Uh, the, the rank that you are, which I, I don't know if you want me to say that, but I, uh, he's a no, warrant officer, which, anyway. you know, everybody thinks that, that means I'm a, a cop. Yeah. A, a warrant not. officer means that you are, you don't get treated <laughs> like a lower enlisted you have to tell me. piece of crap. 
but then you I'm also like, like the officers don't respect you so you're just kind of in the middle everybody leaves you alone and they you barely show up yeah, my warrant officer when i was in iraq just ate snacks and watched movies the whole year while we like drove on the highway of death and the sunni triangle to drop off equipment for repair yeah i was in the field once uh as a private which is the 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 rank you come in as and i was 27 years old so i was already an adult i was already older than most of the people that were around me and we're in the middle of the field the middle of the desert it's hot as hell middle of the summer we're putting up these giant tents and i see these three guys standing in the back drinking capri suns and i'm like what are what are they why are they not helping they're like oh those are warrant officers i was like well how do i how do I do that? They're like, you got to be really good at one thing and then you get to do that. So I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to study one thing and then get my Capri Sun. So this is where I take it easy. Yeah. And that nice. one thing from what we've seen is telling them, to, don't worry about oh. it. Uh, I'm going to put you on, on, do not disturb, text me and I'll answer when I have time. Yeah. Exactly. I'm, import- I'm yeah. very busy right now doing a podcast that four people are going to listen to. And that's including me and Justin. Yeah. Maybe my mom. Yeah. Aww. Five, five people. Hi, my mom is listening from heaven. <laughs> yeah, I have a haunted painting of her yeah, <laughs> on my wall made by some man in Korea. Yeah. Well, hopefully my siblings don't listen to this because they may not appreciate the, the jokes about my mom. Gosh. She was a saint. We love her. <laughs> so um, when was... Uh, the first did you started doing stand-up comedy here in yeah, central texas like that was my 100 percent so first. april 27th i think it was or 24th I, I went to corky's me and my girlfriend were having sushi in clean and that's like, their their ba- code name their nickname for sex <laughs> sushi, yeah comma sushi <laughs> it's like the comma sutra only we incorporate raw fish <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and we're like, what do you want to do? And I looked around events, and I looked on Eventbrite, and they said stand up comedy that night. So I called Corky's. And I was like, can we still get in? And they're like, yeah. Like <laughs> I didn't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, they're like, like, oh yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, care. just come. Um, I came in. And it was Mike Hudak and uh, Lando and somebody else. I didn't recognize. I didn't recognize any of them at the time. Didn't know any of them. We went in. We bought tickets. We sat down. I watched. And I was like, yeah, this really, I mean, it felt familiar. I've been on stage a million times. Um, but what they were talking about, I don't know, everything kind of gelled. If I'd have tried stand-up comedy at 20, I wouldn't have had, I was too all over the place. Didn't have an idea yeah. of who I was, let alone what to talk about. Um, that's why magic was nice, because it gave me a format and a voice and a direction. Like, I could format it to this thing. But I sat there, and I'm like, oh, they're talking about the stuff that I'm thinking about a lot right now. So that Sunday, which was the next day, I went and wrote the Jesus bit, um, which is the whole, you know, it started with, uh, you're not my real dad, you know, you can't tell me what to do. And I wrote five minutes before that to lead up to that. And then practiced it all week in front of a mirror, even bought a stand, a uh, microphone and a mic stand. So I wasn't using like my, you know, because some people use like their TV remote, like, retar- you know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's the practice mic. That's the practice yeah. mic now. Yeah. yeah, it's a karaoke mic. It, yeah, it, it's better than a TV remote. Yeah, you judgmental. I heard, I heard you used to use a TV remote. That's what <laughs> yes, Kelsey yeah. told me. Yeah, um, yeah. So I just practiced it all week, and then that Wednesday went up and did it. I had one written joke, which was the twenty-four and me Down syndrome joke, and then uh, and then that, and that was that was it. That's all I had. Yeah, see, I don't think I was there. I'm, I don't think I was there that first night. I don't think you were. I don't I, think I, you were. I was. Maybe the second yeah, night. Was, yeah. It was something special. Dylan was I mean, Dylan was hosting. Tell. Yeah, and I know, for example, Justin, I was there the first night you did Corky's. 
and I could tell there was something there. Like I could tell your jokes were well written, but you were like super nervous. You oh, were reading, so yeah, yeah, just like yeah. my notes yeah. were shaking. You were shaking. You were you weren't just like looking at notes on the stool. You were holding your note. You know, you were yeah. nervous, but you. The first time I saw you, which I think may have been your second or third time. It just seems so polished. I swore like you had already been up there, you know, doing, doing comedy longer than I have, you know, and so. No, it was fantastic. And I still am nervous. I mean, I, so with Corky's, it's tough. Uh, Open mics, it seems it's tough because you get five minutes. And one of the biggest things I'm learning is to slow down. Yes. Let them process. Some jokes are cerebral. So if you say like, you know, yeah, you know. Tell me who the father was, whatever. Let them think about it. Let it lay. But you don't have time to do that necessarily mm-hmm. if you're trying to get really seven minutes worth of stuff in five minutes anyway. So my nerves are keeping me fast. Um, I talk over laughs. I talk over myself. I'm not conf- confident and comfortable with silence yet. I still take that as an immediate judgment, like we were saying earlier. So my nerves are, are you know, metamorphosizing as rushing and getting through just so I can get off stage or so that I can get to the next thing that I think might work if this one didn't. Yeah. And I, because there are comics out there like a, I, the one I can think of right now is like a Brian Regan. Mm-hmm. I think he may be a lot more goofier than you are, but he is one of those that is very animated kind of jumps around and, and, um, but he's doing, you know, a, a 30 minute comedy or an hour comedy special. And, and that is one thing that I've talked to you about, where I was excited to see you do like uh, the Trino show where you have a little bit more time. Yeah. But then I feel like you, you're still trying to fit in, you know, and, and so it, it's, it's funny to me because I still feel nervous, you know, however long in I've been going. And there are times now that I've, I've faked it till I make it so much that I'll, I'll tell my girlfriend, Oh, I was super nervous or I messed up a line and it shook me up and she was like, I couldn't tell. And it's kind of the same thing with you where, I, there, there is no moment, um, you, other than when you hosted that one time and there was 800 comics and you were stressed out off the stage, I could tell you were nervous, but on the stage, other than, you know, like I, it, to me, it always feels like not from nervousness, just that you have so much to say, you have a, a set that you want to do and, and you only have a limited at- amount of time. So it's interesting to hear you say that it's be because you're nervous and not because, you're just trying to practice your whole set. Yeah. And the whole practice, the whole set thing. I mean, that's the other thing that's weird that I'm still learning about open mics is you guys are all the same. Like, so I see the same 30 people at the club every Wednesday or every Sunday, wherever I'm at. And I don't want them to hear the same joke every time. But if I don't keep rehearsing that same joke, I don't know if it's going to get better. So I don't want to bore you guys. So I guess that's a challenge to come up with new stuff. But also I have to respect my art and myself and be like, no, I got to give this the breath that it needs so that I can get it worked out. So you guys just got to bear with me and listen to the same stuff. Um, Yeah, that's the weird relationship I'm trying to have right now with you guys as an audience, like having the comedians as an audience is weird because I don't want to bore you. No, I I definitely understand that sentiment because like early on my CEO was like, stop writing new stuff. Just master what you have. And like, and it, and it was coming from a yeah. kind place, a very like mentor place. And so, but like you said, like if I'm seeing these people, I don't want to, you know. Right. And comedians laugh different. Just repeat it. Good, good, good. Like, you, you know, know comedians what? laugh with their heads. They're like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that was funny. That was good. They can yeah, see where it is. Yeah, you might get a But up. you're not getting that, that vocal response, that glottal fry, blah, you know, that you would from an audience 
to let you know, like, okay, that, that, that change worked. Yeah. And that, that's something I've been working on for a long time. And it's, it's evolved from, let me, I'm going to do this set for two weeks and then I'm going to rest it. And then now my goal is to, to come up with a 20 minute to 30 minute set, you know, like for, if there's a showcase and every once in a while I'll pull out one of those bits, but it, it is a balance between doing what's best for you and doing what's best for the comics. And we are spoiled with Corky's. We've had a, a, a few nights in the past month or two where it's been a kind of a lame, you know, like low attended show, not lame, but it just, it's disappointing when you show up and there's four people in the audience, but mostly it's, you have your regulars, but there's usually a good number of new faces. So even when, I'm doing the same jokes at Corky's. At least I don't feel so bad um, going up and doing the same jokes because you know I can I can focus on the people that haven't you know the new people. But then also that I think there is a difference when there are comics that'll go up and do the literally the same exact set like over and over and over again. And it's it you know it's one thing if you're prepping for a show you want to do it exactly the way you want to do for the showcase. But if you're trying to get better. Right, And you're not, you know, oh, let me move this joke around and see if it works better this way. Or let me add this tag to this joke. If you're not doing that, then what, what are you doing? You know, like, what is the point of an open mic? Yeah. And I, so I kind of decided, I don't know if it's a good philosophy or not, but if I use it in a show at least once or twice, it's off the open mic circuit. Like if I got paid to do it, I'm not doing it on an open mic because it's, it's show ready. And I'll work it out in shows. Yeah. I'm confident enough with the material. I know it works. So even in the show, I might be free with it and see where it goes. And, oh, it laughed a little differently there. Maybe change it for the show. Use the show as the open mic just to hone that piece of material. But I'm not going to go back and use that as my open mic set anymore because that's what batting practice is for. I'm I'm curious. I would li- love to have you on here if, if you continue to do stand-up comedy in Seattle, uh, which I don't know if we mentioned you're moving to Seattle soon within the next month um grunge comedy crunch comedy i've got i've got in flannels a friend from waco that moved to la and he he's like me sometimes he gets lazy but uh, i mean he has the opportunity to go do two three open mics a night you know there's open mics all over the you know and seattle's a much bigger town so i'm i'm curious to see if your philosophy for open mics changes if you if you continue that or if because you can do the same set at three different venues just in one night, you know, like how, well, how will thing, that change? Right? So everything that I had just said, I'm going to scrap when I go to Seattle because it's a new scene there. Yeah. So for you guys, I'm not going to do Jesus. I'm not going to do Hitler. I'm not going to do, you know, the clip patrol or whatever in Seattle. That's all, you know, I'm only going to have open mics. Yeah. I'm not going to get booked on anything. So they have to see that. So I'm going to treat it as an open mic and still do it. And it's going to be polished. But I'll also, once I get comfortable, get my ground and get my feet, then I'll be able to inject new things. And once I'm comfortable trying and playing around, but I need to start good, I yeah. think, out there. I think the toughest thing for me on the open mics is like when I'm trying out new stuff and it's not going that well. And then I pull out like a classic to like kind of save me. And then that still doesn't hit. I'm like, okay, this is just a rough night. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that, that's the barometer for the night that has, you know, it works. Yeah. You know, you know that that kills. So it wasn't you. Yeah. And I, I mean, you're still pretty new you are new to comedy but not new to performing and i used to take it personally no matter what like 
I would have nights where there's nobody like a true love here in Waco where there'd be nobody in the audience except for a couple of people that didn't know there was comedy. They were there to drink. And I would tell my jokes and get no laughs and put it all on myself, you know, because I used to hear a lot. Oh, it's never the audience. It's never the audience. And I think um, I'm learning to judge, like, look at the audience and look at the other comics and seeing, okay, well, that joke Justin told always kills or, or, you know, Philly gets up there. There was that one night he got up there and he was lashing out at me like, uh, make like, cause he always jokes about my laugh, but he did it like in a mean way this time. And I was like, man, this audience is rough. If he, if it's frustrating that much. So I I think that is an important lesson to learn for the new comics is that, uh, the, it can be the audience, you know, and, and sometimes you're just not, um, Unless you have one of those personalities that can pull in 95 or 98% of the audiences, you're going to have bad nights and it's going to suck. And if you go on YouTube and watch, com- you know, comics getting interviewed, you're going to see like a Bill Hicks or, you know, probably even like a Kevin Hart or whoever talk about when they bombed or, you know, the, everybody does it. And I'm teaching, that's what I'm teaching myself right now to do is to write so that I can breach subjects that are personal. Because I'm not talking about any personal stuff right now because... If that bombs, that is a react that like that is a rejection. I'm like, oh, not only was it not funny, but they don't like me because all I was was talking about me. So I don't talk about really anything personal because I don't want that kind of rejection yet because I'm still using the laugh as an acceptance. So it could just be that it's just not well written. I didn't pause in the right place or use the right verbs or pick the right words, but I'm going to take it as, oh, they're judging me because I, you know, I talked about this or that and I just don't want that judgment yet. So right now everything's just sketches they're literally sketches i'm just writing sketches do you think do you think when you say more personal are you are you talking like a more serious because like justin writes personal stuff but it it's a lot of it's kind of silly and and hyperbole and uh ridiculous you know just life based you know i have three kids i've never talked about them um i thought you were gonna say i never talked to them i never (laughs) talked to them i I don't pay for a thing I'm, i'm a deadbeat um, I, you know, I've never talked about them, never talked about being in the military, never talked about growing up or really relationships unless I'm using it as a lead in to a joke like, oh, my girlfriend said this and then it goes into a joke. Um, but yeah, I don't really show that side of me. I just wear the mask of because I mentioned it before, like I think for musicians, there's people that own instruments, people that play songs and musicians. A musician is the higher part of the art. And for comedians, it seems like there's clowns, there's entertainers and there's comedians. Comedians are the artists. You you it's you think about something. It makes you think about your life or you know whatever's going on in the world. And then entertainers that you have a good time and clowns just make you laugh. And right now I'm in that clown vein, desiring to be you know whatever whatever comedian you pick as as the higher echelon of your you know what you like. Um, I would like to get to comedian, but I'm still okay in the clown vein. You know I'm just trying to have fun and get comfortable. Yeah. And as far as like sharing personal things, I mean, the greatest advice, you know, greatest advice, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so do I have a daughter? You, y'all never met her, you know, like, I, you know, and so like a I lot have of to, it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, have her yeah, autograph yeah. in my, oh, yeah, my yeah. book because she was the funniest comic of the night that one night. Yeah. She went to the Fox Dog Show. Yeah. I saw the Fox Dog um, Show. Yeah. He was there. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah I was. I was on cloud nine. That was a good night. It was, yeah, a, it was really a really good, good night. night. Great yeah. crowd too. Yeah. Big crowd. And they were attentive. It was really nice. Yeah. Fox dog is a bar in temple and, uh, a beer garden. AC two, Alex Cunningham and Alexis Cunningham. 
they put on a really good show there and i think they're still doing it shout out ac squared yeah, yeah. ac squared yeah i just did his podcast yesterday or Oh, Thursday, nice. Thursday. Oh, nice. Night. I was listening to one of his podcasts on the way up here, and I was like, I'm going to listen to mine instead. So I listened to his <laughs> podcast with me on it. Just to- yeah. Speak, <laughs> speaking of that, we realized afterwards we didn't mention Superman or Hitler. I think that may be the first of his podcasts that didn't mention either of those. Oh, wow, man. Of those uh, fi- historical. He's growing, not hit, physically, yeah. but in his no, podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, He's 5'2". Yeah, I'm just kidding. I love yeah. you, Alex. It was a great time. All your podcasts oh, yeah, yeah. are great. Yeah, we had fun. Mine's my favorite. Yours of is course, great. Yeah. I can't watch it though. Nobody, there should have been a warning. Like, if you watch this, you're going to see Justin's weird apocalypto feet. Yeah, because I, he doesn't wear socks. I get mad when he walks when because I listen to the podcast because I'm at work and I just listen. And he, every time he says, "Those of you watching the podcast," I'm like, "I'm old school." So, podcast <laughs> yeah. is an audio yeah. format mm-hmm. for me, and it just yeah, it's it audio pisses media. me off. Mm-hmm. Like, it's I, car. I should not be that Thank angry. You for reminding at that. me, I'm about yeah. to take off my shoes. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> so we talked about um, where you started comedy, your inspiration. We we talked about your first open mic, uh, and we we discussed your comedy style. Do you do you have? Um, and we can, if you want, if you want to give us a clip, I can put it in here, pull it from YouTube or whatever, and put it in here if you want, or or both. If you do, you have a comic that you you are inspired by or you feel like you can compare yourself to like that. So finding that is, is a really weird thing. Cause there's a lot of comics I like and I like them for how different, you know, I am from them. I'm not a Bill Burr. I'm not a Doug Stanhope, but I love watching those guys. Um, yeah. So killer. Uh, Dave Attell, you know, so, but Did you just say RIP for Stanhope. Is he still alive? Yeah. <laughs> he's been, he's, been, he's <laughs> the Keith Richards of comedy. He's been yeah. dead inside yeah, for he, the last 25 years, but he's still around. Yeah. I, pretty sure all the drugs and alcohol he's drunk yeah, he should be say. dead yeah, but he's, he's yeah. alive yeah. yeah he's still alive in arizona i think putting yeah. on his own shows yeah, doing arizona. all that stuff yeah. yep oh, I, I i would have confidently told you that. <laughs> <laughs> but i like them because of how different they are and it's it's a place i would love to get to like i love stand-up i love how real it is he just doesn't give a shit i'm the only one swearing are we allowed to swear yes okay um he doesn't give a poop and uh you know i, I like it for that reason but then the people that I can't watch because, you know, you get inspired by and you don't want to start like is Brian Regan, you mentioned, you know, otherwise you start talking like this, you know, you have yeah. to, yeah. it's easy to, I love Pete Holmes, but like I, I could, I could write in a Pete Holmes mindset too easy for myself. Not saying it would be on the same caliber at all, but in the mindset, same thing with Brian Regan, I could write Brian Regan style jokes too easily for me to pull from my well so I can't watch them, but those would be the two that I would look up to in that way. Old school Robin Williams as well, um, but yeah, Carrot Top, of course. R.I.P. <laughs> he's for sure dead. Right? Yeah, has to be right. Sadly, he's, is he's, he's he's in Vegas? Doesn't he have a show? Yeah. Like he's more successful he's one than of the any of us running, will ever yeah. Yeah. even imagine being. Yeah. I mean, he probably has at least three times as many Instagram followers as Chris does. So. Yeah. A lot of like one of the things that you hear like the lingo is finding your voice with with stand up comedy and you hear stories about oh when I first started I was I was just a you know a, a Kevin Hart clone or a Louis C K clone or whatever and I I think it, I can speak for the three of us comics here I don't see any particular comic that I could really compare to you know and I I've when I try to write you know, take inspiration from like a, a Mitch Hedberg or, or whoever. Um, 
it really, it doesn't work for me. And I don't, I don't know if it's cause I just can't pull it off personality wise or if it's just not authentic, but I, 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 I guess it's just the difference in, in the way people start and, and how they write jokes They they don't, maybe they have to learn how to write their own jokes first by copying somebody else. Whereas I was writing jokes. I talk with my hands. I keep hitting the stupid head, headphone thing. But I, I was writing jokes on Twitter, you know, for years before I started doing stand-up. So for me, I wrote jokes without the state, you know, like with no idea I would ever do stand-up comedy. So it, it, it'll it be interesting the one day where we show up and we interview somebody and they're like, oh, yeah, I was just a copy. You know, like, I hear that a lot, but I've never met somebody that I, yeah. that I can say. Well, except for our good friend Caden who... Not yeah. only did he uh, emulate their style and their their writing style and their performance, he literally stole word for word their jokes. Joke, yeah. yeah. So. I mean, really though, it's I'm, a lot of my inspiration was Looney Tunes. Uh, I live because of magic. Um, I always wanted to do a magic show that was cartoon based, where anything because anything can happen and anything can happen in magic, where you can literally reach it like throw a black circle onto a wall and reach your hand through and pull something out, kind of like they did in Looney Tunes. Um, you know, with the Acme safe and and dynamite and things like that and make it comedic but also having to use magic to incorporate some of those illusions um and that's all i did was i got rid of the illusion part of it and it's still a living cartoon character is kind of what i'm trying to embody anything's possible you can switch quickly and next minute be wearing a dress and be this character and then now you're a viking or whatever and just go from voice to voice character to character scene to scene and have it all fit because you're creating a world where anything can happen. Um, I'm doing it in adult style. They don't really say the F word in Looney Tunes that often. Um, but that's kind of, I guess, yeah, I'd say Bugs Bunny and, and shit like that would be the comedian that I'm basically emulating right now. And you do, like, you do voices. You're, you're uh, allegedly racist Hitler. Yeah, that's <laughs> like weird. I at, at Classy thought I was you and was like, you're the guy that does racist jokes. And I was like, no, that was Chris. <laughs> Um, but, um, it's not there's it's racial I, you have okay. to well you <laughs> there's a big difference between racial and racist i feel like there is a a a level of intelligence that you have to have to understand like uh, mel brooks is not endorsing the nazis when he does like the producers right. or right. he's making fun of hitler or whatever he's mocking them he's taking away the, taking power. Away the power absolutely and that's For what sure. you're doing but i guess because the way you look and some of the comments you've well, made at comedy shows. Yeah. Help the either. mustache, yeah. the side parted black hair, the swastika <laughs> the, tattoo. Huh? The, the Hugo Boss outfit that you have on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Volkswagen My car Volkswagen. you drive. Yep. Yeah. The bratwurst that you've been eating the entire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, we're gonna we're gonna be wrapping it up. Uh, do you do you remember before we we go the uh, the first joke? that you wrote or performed or, or maybe one of your, your favorites from when you first started, if you don't remember that. Um, yeah. So the first joke that I wrote was, um, you said Jesus. No, that was the first set. The very first joke I, I wrote you. was do down syndrome, check their ancestry on 24 and me. And that's a smart joke because you have to know that we normally have 23 chromosomes. And if you're afflicted with down syndrome, you have an extra. Um, so the people that get it, I'm like, this is a barometer to see who in the audience I can talk to. I used to have that other one, which was um, I speak binary off and on because binary one and zero is an off and on. And if you get that, 
that doesn't mean it's funny. But if if you get it, it means like, all right, I can I can go geek with you guys, and that's what it was. That's why I started with that joke. Yeah, that's yeah, that's super esoteric, right? And that's really interesting because I think we have some parallel thinking because I've got the my wife's a Karen bit at the coffee shop. I don't know if you remember that one. So the Betty and Bo's in Waco. It's yeah, run by yeah, special needs yeah. people. My wife is like yelling at this poor kid with Down syndrome. I think she's going to say the R word or whatever. And then a tag at the end of it was like, do Down syndrome people have to use 24 in me? And so that's super interesting. Yeah. I think um, as a, as a joke writer, if you, when there was a time period where I was there, it was a huge deal. People stealing jokes like on, no, no, and, this is a parallel. No, thinking. but, but Nikita, yeah, you know. that's what I'm saying is, is that, um, there was a time period where I would put something on Twitter and then, you know, like a news event that just, somebody just died, like literally just died, took their last breath. CNN posted, they had their, their article in the shoot. I see it. I write a joke. Like I didn't read it somewhere else. It was in my head. Oh yeah. And then I go look and 700 other people, you know, and I think in, in, especially in, in a world where there are certain cultural things that, you know, 20, you know, dating apps or ancestry apps, whatever, you know, like that are, um, it's such a part of, especially the young stand-up comics, a lot of them are young and single dating, that it's hard to not have parallel thinking and similar jokes. And and it always makes me laugh when somebody is, you know, they'll see a joke on the late night show and be like, they stole my joke. And it's like, nobody right, in right. New York City okay. gives a shit right. about your joke. <laughs> 700 other people wrote that joke, yeah. you know, and that's why it's a compliment yeah. too, because yeah. it means that you're in a vein of mainstream comedy thinking, yeah. at least yeah. in that, in that yeah. thing I was writing a, cause again, I make these jokes and it's becoming a theme that my girlfriend is smart. She's a doctor, but she says stupid things. She thought Anne Frank and Helen Keller were the same person. That's true. Um, we were reading a menu and she said, uh, what is Parmesan chicken? Where's that from <laughs> <clears throat> to the waiter? And he's like, that's Parmesan. Mm. So I was writing this whole thing about Parmesan, and I just bought Rick and Morty season six on uh, Amazon Prime, and episode two, they have a whole five-minute bit about the word Parmesan. Yeah, they speak, they, they pronounce it Parmesan. I'm like, well, there, there goes right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I can't use this thing that I thought was a nugget oh, yeah. of gold that actually happened because they just said it, and now it's in the mainstream vernacular. It took away my, my option. It looks like I'm nicking them. On the other side of that, I feel like you can make that your own. Again, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah because yeah, you're not using it in the same way. In you know, people might think you're being influenced by that word if that's your main punchline. Mm-hmm. But if you show that it's not and go a different yeah. direction, it could yeah. be. Well, and that's one thing that you were talking about going more personal, and I think that's a good you know fun fact tip of the day um, for young comics is that if. A lot of people will tell you if you write stuff that is that happened to you or is personal to you, your feelings, even if it's a similar topic, it, it's it's unique to you. So you, there's still going to be people that may accuse you of stealing the joke. But if it's yeah. if it's something that happened to you or you're talking about a, a specific personal thing, then I mean that it, it makes it a, a little more unique, even if it's a similar topic. Yeah, so. nothing's really hack. I mean, there's yeah. no topic that's really hack. It's where are you going with it? What's your point? I guess the point of view could be hack. You know, like I'm going to say it and observe the same thing that everybody else has always observed. But we've all been in planes. And unless you're observing it the same way, you know, airplane food could be funny. It's not, you're not always nicking Seinfeld, you right. know? 
I mean, I am. What I'm, is yeah. the deal with airline food? I have a joke where I was making fun of that, where I was like, uh, what's the deal with airplane food? Airplanes are inanimate objects. They can't eat food. <laughs> it's just so, it, that's the kind of way you yeah. can spin it off. Yeah. But, yeah. So um, we like to close it off with one last question. I'll let Justin, I, I've, so this is our first real interview with a, a guest and I feel like I've been jumping over Justin no, no, no. and try, not giving him, we're still learning. But I'm also like yeah. absolutely enthralled to listen. Like this has been fantastic. So I, yeah, I'm, Totally worth I'm the drive. Yeah. This has been yeah. totally worth the drive. Um, yeah, for me, uh, totally getting out of bed and putting clothes on. Yeah. Can I? Can I do a caveat prior to the yeah, last yeah, question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to give you a, an opportunity, buddy. Yeah, and so you're talking about your time in the army, and you had seen those warrant officers, you know, with their capri sign. <laughs> that, no, I, that turned frogs gay, by uh, the way. For sure. Alex, Alex owes a lot of people a lot of money. A lot of money. <laughs> I don't know where you get a billion dollars. That's a lot of male enhancement product. He's, that's a lot of snake oil to push. Um, no, your personality, like you said something that kind of stuck with me. Like, what do they do and how do I become that? Like, as far as like your personality and your drive and your ambition. Um, I think I can, I think I can see that on stage. Like, you know, like you. You want to go from, and these were your own words, clown to comedian. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, where do you, where do you think that drive comes from? Uh, I think it's a, I think it's an imposter syndrome mixed with a chameleon attitude where it's like still trying to define what you are and just doing it until maybe that works. It's like dating. I'm just going to date somebody and maybe this one will be the one and it's not. So you go to the next one. It's kind of the same thing with you know, tackling these kind of professions or venues or, or art mediums, because I do all kinds of different things, magic, art, forgery, comedy, military. I'm going to keep doing things until one thing clicks. Yeah. And when it clicks, then I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to give it my all in the beginning, no matter what, because this might be the one just like I go into every dating relationship, like, well, this might be the one. So the same thing, it's like, well, I'm going to try that and I'm going to give it my all. And if it fails, okay, cool. I, I probably got something from it. I can just change my azimuth, go a different direction, and now give something else my all with that new skill attached to it or that new learning that I got. And yeah, but yeah, it's just a chameleon thing. Just try to change until you're on the right color leaf. I want to I want to say that you uh, really inspired me and helped me focus on like uh, especially the joke writing and just kind of not just looking at it as I'm going to write this joke and if it gets laughs, I'm going to keep doing it. And if not, I'm just going to give it up. Or, um, you, you recommended multiple, um, podcasts. Uh, one is called hot breath and one is uh, breaking down bits. And they're both very, uh, for the, the type of listener that listens to this podcast. And even at my level, like some of it is talking about creating your own specials and touring and it, it's good to, okay, well that's maybe in the future right now. It's not as, as helpful, but, um, it really has inspired me to kind of look at things a little more analytical and why, and, and you've done that with some of my jokes where you're, I send you, uh, you know, a, a rough draft and you like put notes in there. Hey, when I first read this, I was thinking you meant this and and it has really encouraged me to look at a joke and not just say okay well this isn't funny to look at a joke and say hey this isn't why this is why maybe this is why this isn't funny like prior to the I, I do uh, a whole 
thing of Jeffrey Dahmer jokes. And at one time I was like, it works. Sometimes it works other, it doesn't work other times. And, um, my girlfriend was like, well, it's probably because these people are super young and if they're not true crime fans, you know, and, and so that's the kind of thinking that I'm talking, talking about, <laughs> sorry, Justin's, uh, we were worried about Chris Dixon having an asthma attack and dying and, and it's actually Justin, but I, I, I see you attack it in a way. I think uh, the uh, stereotype of comics a lot of times is like they're stoners. They don't, you know, they may write on the stage. They're not, you know, and you, you, you put uh, a work effort, a work ethic and a, an analytical spin to it that I don't see very often. And it, I, I can say it, it really inspired me even in just the past few months that you've been doing stand up. It, it helped me kind of look at things differently than I had before. So thanks. Yeah. yeah I think that comes from, you know, like I said, writing shows, especially for kids, you know, kids shows, you know, it's kind of, it's whatever you're doing kids shows, but you can't say certain things and you have to keep their attention. You have to find ways that it's funny and be creative and imaginative and work on your imagination. So it's really more of a writing thing. I guess I'm learning to write. And that's why, again, I say most of my stuff is skits where I'm playing Jesus, I'm playing Joseph, I'm playing Hitler, I'm playing uh, a 14 year old with a, you know, a group of kids trying to find the clitoris. They're not jokes. They're like little mini plays. Yeah. That's good, but it's also not what I want to do, you know, but. And I used to teach English. So I think some of that, that writing definitely comes into it. Like as far as, I don't know, some of, I mean, it's very dry, Mm -hmm. but. Yeah. And I, that is another tip for the uh, the noobs out there is that writing and performing are two different things. And you can write a joke that does well on social media in written form and it can bomb on stage. And it can be the opposite too. a joke that doesn't get anything on social media can uh, kill on stage. And that's part of that process we were talking about, just trying to learn and figure it out. There's a science. There is. Oh, yeah. And then there's yeah. people like Philly who can just get up with no written material yeah. in his head and just talk. And be conversational and still just slay a room. Oh yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I, I hope to interview him eventually and and kind of try to get him to let us know how much of that is when you do stand up so much and you do crowd work, you know what the expected responses or you see, you know, a, a, a attractive white woman, so you know what to say that's funny about that or you know this, you know, a fat person or a short person, you know, like there's over the years or if it's just he's just naturally like no matter where he is he's funny all the time it, it, it that stuff is kind of interesting to me because it um it's that science part that we've been talking about so i have a theory so because i'm in the military obviously i can't you know take any illicit substances at all like we get drug tests all the time it's not in my interest i'm um you know i'm trying to be a mentor to those kids and and whatever but uh in the next you know four and a half years i get out i retire so in this i'm going to take this next four years to learn how to write and then when I get out and get my medical marijuana license, all the ideas are going to come and then I'll be, I'll know how to write them because I, I don't know. I just see these yeah. guys, you know, a lot of them are smokers. Not, I don't know why Philly didn't bring this up. This isn't because we're talking about Philly. I'm just saying that I know from Racist. previous experiences that, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to be able to indulge in these substances where ideas are going to flow to me, where I'm going to think something, you know, that, that box of cereal over there is funny and now I'll know how to write five minutes about that box of cereal because it made me laugh. I'm excited for that. I'm super excited. Looking forward to it. So from my experience, uh, I, and I've never like just eaten an edible or something and, uh, just written jokes by myself. 
but I have in the past, like when I was down in Colleen, like hanging out with the Colleen comics, maybe take some illicit substances. And all we did was just make fun of each other and not write any jokes. So I hope you're not setting yourself up for some disappointment that yeah, you're going to like, it could be a very you know, bad uh, smoke a joint and then just yeah, like eat Taco Bell, <laughs> write your name three times and then follow. Well, it's like Hemingway yeah. said, write drunk and edit sober. You know yeah. what I mean? So, yeah. All right. So do we want to our, our traditional yes. last question? Because we, we need to wrap it up and, and so we can record our second segment. Yeah. All right. Chris, did you have one piece of advice that you wish you were given when you first started? Like three months ago. Um, he gets both. Man. So I've never gotten advice. All I was told was like, great job. That was amazing. <laughs> Uh, you're the best shit. white comic but actually the one piece that i did get was slow down slow down if you think you're going slow go even slower yeah um and that was just for being on stage um but the other piece of <laughs> <laughs> just for on stage uh not in the bedroom um but the other piece of advice is uh Write. Make writing a habit. Make it a ritual. Make it something that's not work. Make it part of your day. Um, if it's an hour, if it's a half an hour, if it's 15 minutes and it's just notes in your phone, write something. It's not all going to be gold. Just get used to creating and the gold will, you know, you're panning for it. So some of it will be rocks, some of it will be gold, but you're not going to find the gold unless you go back to the to the stream every day. So I think that would be the one. I think that's great advice for her. Very sound. Yeah, even if you're just starting out or if you've been doing comedy for 10 years, I think that's that's good advice. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap up the interview. Do you have social medias or... I do, yeah. Uh, so anything um, you're... Homegrowncomedy.com, and that's grown like, ugh, G-R-O-A-N. And uh, that's going to be my clips of my, my shows, clips of sets, um, venues that I'm going to be performing at, open mics that are going to be local that I'm going to be hitting, as well as main stage productions. And then on Instagram, you can find me at Erdnase1902. That's E-R-D-N-A-S-E-1902. All right. I got it. Yeah, and uh, we are we don't have an outro f- recorded yet, but we are going to record a fancy outro with all our stuff, so we don't have to remember it. And life is cooler with AC. Life is cooler with Justin and Adam. We should just yeah. steal that one. Yeah, we should. He paid. And I'm yeah, sure he paid yeah, for that. Yeah. Or Alexis, did he do it? Wasn't he a musician? A friend. Maybe of his, he did. His oh, a friend did it. Did it. Yeah. 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 Somebody that knows somebody that plays an alkaline trio. Oh, wow. I don't Is that you? No. No? That's cool. Is Al- Alkaline Trio like a emo band? What are they? <laughs> yeah. They're, it's just batteries. Oh, okay. It's three batteries. <laughs> and it's a, it's a play on words because there's three of them and they're also like AAA battery. AAA, it's, yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that that is the dumbest way that a podcast has ever been ended. <laughs> this is Adam and Justin. Thank you, guys. Right. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Oh, you're welcome. We're not done yet. Thank you for listening to They Said I'm Funny. Uh, you can email us at theysaidimfunny at gmail.com. You can find our social media on Twitter. You can find us at They Said I'm Funny. And on Facebook, search for our page, They Said I'm Funny. You can also give us a call on our Google Voice number. Uh, that number is 254 294 6032. That is 254 254- Two nine four six zero three two, and thanks again for listening.